Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements and this is the podcast that celebrates films of a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. Today, we're joined by a whole flipping podcast in a very special crossover event. Marvel, eat your heart out. <laughs> this is the cinematic universe we want to be a part of. Welcome to the show, Alex Zane, Vicky Crompton and Chris Dilley. Hooray! Hey! Uh, AKA, one of my favourite movie podcasts, Clash of the Titles. Oh. Thanks for oh, coming on, guys. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having us. Thanks for saying that. Uh, I should also say thank you for actually, you know, letting me record in your pod grotto. This is lovely. <laughs> yeah. Grotto doesn't sound... <laughs> luxury suites. Uh, your pod, luxury suites. Yeah, look pod. Yes, <laughs> it's the Wait. stack studio. Wait for an hour. It gets mighty hot. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, we have air conditioning now. We have an air conditioner. Don't talk about the smell. Mm-hmm. But no yeah. one else does. <laughs> uh, sadly, we're not a smell of vision podcast. Just audio. Just audio. <laughs> Tommy's actually... T- oh, how about that? Tommy's <laughs> poked his head in. Uh, the producer has poked his head in and he's turned the air conditioning off. Go. So everything yeah. I just said is now very, yeah. very we'll real. keep that in the podcast. Might, <laughs> might, might want to take that shirt off. <laughs> I'll, save, I'll save that for later. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're doing something a bit different today because we're, we're sort of crossing the streams with a, with a series that I think means a lot to, to both of us, especially me and Chris, Evil Dead. So what we're going to talk about is uh, is the first Evil Dead, the Evil Dead. And then, Chris, what's happening on Clash after titles? Then, well, Clash, we, we clash two films, literally two films, something in common. We discuss them both and then decide at the end which one did it better. And so we decided a good idea would be to kick off with the Evil Dead on your podcast and then Clash Evil Dead 2 with the 2013 Evil Dead remake. Because they've got quite a lot in common. Absolutely. Mm. So yeah, so we're hitting three Evil Deads in the space of a week. Are we are we calling the 2013 version a remake? Because I've I've heard different. Ooh. I've heard it. You heard a, it from Fede Alvarez. Like, what it. are you talking about? Yeah, well, <laughs> he calls it a sequel. Well, yeah, what, or a reimagine. Well, no, what do people say is a get out? No, no, no. He's, he's he's changed it from reimagining. Yeah. From reboot. But oh, I read it. But there are common elements. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's on Thursday. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into The Evil Dead, we are a podcast about film runtimes, and you are film professionals. You talk about films. You watch a lot of films for a living. What's your What's your relationships with with film runtimes? Does it Does it matter, um, or or is it something that could be a big decision maker? Vicky, what's your uh, wait, Let's start with you. It matters <laughs> more. Yeah, it matters more now because when you're growing up and you know you're discovering films, you're not necessarily that aware of the runtime. So you just go into it, and what will be will be. Now, you know, time is a little bit more constrained. And the minute you bring something up on a streamer, it tells you straight away how long it is. And I will instantly be like, no, that's too long. I'm out. So, which is just, it's just attention span. It's just getting older. But some of my, and I know this from listening to your podcast, which I love, some of my favourite films just happen to be 90 minutes or less. Although I have spoken to you about this privately before. You don't allow the 10% either way rule, do you? So... When Harry Met Sally doesn't count. Sadly That's not. That's mad, Sadly but fine, not. but fine. A lot fine. of people say the credits don't count, but, I mean, one of the films we'll talk about today has a post-credit sting. Sometimes the credits do count. Yeah. Part of the movie. Yeah, okay. No, you've got rules and I've got to stick to them and that's okay. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Alex? You're someone who you know has to watch a lot of films for a living. I do. Uh, yeah, it depends on where I'm watching them. To be perfectly honest, Sam, at home, uh, very different to Vicky. I'm two hours, two hours plus. I'm totally down with that because I can pause it. Uh, in the cinema, however, 
Absolutely not. I have an incredibly weak bladder. And so therefore, if I don't get an aisle seat in the cinema and a movie is two hours plus, then I am going to miss a portion of that movie and also have to awkwardly go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, as I'm pushing past people to get out, which gives me social anxiety. So I really do feel it's an era that cinemas should consider bringing back an interval. Because if I know an interval's coming at the you know hour mark, I'm in. I can hold it for that long. I cannot hold it for two hours plus. And it's actually bad for you, apparently. <laughs> it, is, it is. It's really bad for I you. I think I read somewhere that it forms like solid granules uh, in your bladder, which are very painful to expel. But also, I don't know if boys have like pelvic floor. You, you do not want to be stretching that. Not at my age, certainly. You want mm. that to be as tight as possible. Yeah, and so any added pressure at this is a disaster down there. Yeah, so It's, it's yeah. the same for men as well. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. My okay. pelvic floor is... <laughs> <laughs> well, you've never pushed a baby out, I guess. So. <laughs> not yet. There you go. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you starting to regret this yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought our podcast was like this really arbitrary sort of like concept, but actually it's a public health message. I love it. <laughs> um, li- if you're listening, Hollywood, keep them under 90. Just remember the pelvic floor. <laughs> give, give us an interval. Give us an interval. Can I get an ice cream? Is that what you're saying? Honestly, but it's a fun part. You can build that into your movies. It's fun. I think the interval should come yeah, back. But you, trouble is you've got 15 minutes of settle time at the start of a movie where people are munching and maybe talking until people calm down. It happens all again after an hour if you do the interval. That is actually a very good It adds point. up to half an hour of settle time. That's true. Yeah. There'll be lots of wrangling. Someone's going to be late. They're still in the loo. They're still queuing for an ice cream. Yeah. But I, I don't know, maybe a little cliffhanger before the interval could be quite good for some dramas. You know, dun, dun, dun. Mm. you got to wait 15 minutes. Sorry. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I love that. I don't. <laughs> You've just changed the fundamental three-act structure in order to build oh. in a wee break yeah. for Alex. <laughs> a cliffhanger at the midpoint. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it's now a three and a quarter act structure. <laughs> yeah. uh, and how about you, Chris? Are you, do you do you walk away from a longer film, or are you? Uh, do, I, do you not really mind? I did not care the length of a film until I hit about forty, and now it's a massive problem. If I'm starting a film any time from nine pm onwards, and it's any longer than two hours, up to two hours, I will fall asleep, and so that that is affecting my decision making now. Is sleep time basically because I just can't stay awake. So yeah, give me ninety minutes after nine pm. Before then, I'm good with a three hour. Okay, that's good. So you're a post-watershed, nine, 90 minutes or less. Exactly. <laughs> Was 90 minutes or less the podcast started out of a desire to promote 90 minutes or less films? What's your take on the length of films these days, Sam? <laughs> I So I work, my day job is working for a cinema company and uh, on a Monday morning you have to schedule all the films in, you know, all the films that open on a Friday in the UK, you, 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 you time them up on a Monday and it's a real faff mm. because this one's 138 minutes, this one's 89 minutes, this one's 94 minutes and you want to like, you need to like make it cohesive so you can have reasonably time shows you don't want no one wants to go into a movie at like half past ten at night so you need to make sure they all sort of work so you have normal you know like a nice seven o'clock start and it's a nightmare mm. <laughs> if they were all the same length mm. if they were all 90 minutes or less a bit like the Edinburgh Fringe when everyone does an hour mm. you could schedule your cinema super easy that would that would take minutes every Monday <laughs> Isn't there a stigma, though, about some films being 90 minutes or less? Because often if a movie has had a trouble production, they will edit it so it's so short they can get in double the amount of plays to a regular film and try and make their money back that way. That is true. You do see that. You do see that a lot. But hopefully if it was the industry norm, maybe more filmmakers would aspire to it. It wouldn't be the disaster, um, you know, like, OK, it's, uh, let's cut our losses. It's now a 90 minute or less movie. Let's like go in from the beginning and write a 90 minute or less movie. I know there's a few, but we could do with a few more. Mm. Get the Oscars involved. That should be an award. The, the, the Oscar for a film, 90 minutes or less. Yeah. 
most I comfortable think. film watch. Mm. Yeah. I think they should. I think, yeah. you know, like, maybe the film studio, like, you know, got 20th Century Fox and Disney and all that stuff. Let's have a 90 minutes less film studio. That's all they do. <laughs> you know, exactly That's what a good they idea. Do. <laughs> uh, I think there's a market for it. If someone's listening, I've seen Netflix have recently added a 90 minutes mm. or less category. I love that category. Um, and see, it's, it's useful. So maybe we could start that from the beginning of the production line, not just at the end. Netflix have got a 90 minutes or less mm, section now. Yeah, for when you're just pushed for time. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> I don't know that you are. Do you watch a movie when you're pushed for time? Sometimes, yeah. yeah I'm no. in a rush. I'll just watch a short. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's true. No, but I think I do because I don't want to get into a series because then that's six hours of my life. Right. I need some, I need entertaining before I go to bed. Do you not just stop it when you've had enough? Like, stop watch, the series? Stop a two hour movie. No. Like, go, I'm no, like, no, I've no. started, I'm like Magnus Magnuson now. Yeah. I've started sort of finish. <laughs> yeah. And also, movie, you know, the reason you get into a movie is because it's fully immersive. If you have a break, it's not, is it? That's the opposite. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Some films are better watching in instalments, though. So the Kira Knightley King Arthur film is bad. But if you watch it in twenty-minute chunks, it's, it's like, bad. It's, have we, no, it's have we great done that one? because it's so bad. You prolong the agony. Yeah. <laughs> I think twenty minutes is about as much as you can take, and then you turn off and do something else. So that was a fun day during lockdown. Um, <laughs> uh, but we are here. So normally we we ask our guests to sort of pick a film to schedule into the ninety minutes or less festival, and I guess we sort of did. But it also fits nicely into what we're doing with Clash of the Titles this week exactly and the fact that um the week this goes live there's a new evil dead movie coming out mm. so it's a lot of joined up thinking going on we're very it's, clever we should work in marketing <laughs> <laughs> evil dead week uh, which you and i are seeing in two days from this record absolutely not in time to talk no, about it today annoyingly about it. we can talk about what we're going to go and watch it it'll be lovely yeah uh, with the director thursday night yeah in, in battersea, battersea. Yeah. <laughs> this is also 10 years the week this goes out 10 years to the day that Fede Alvarez's version came out April the 12th, 10 years ago. Wow. Mm, yeah, so you love an anniversary, Chris, don't yeah. you? Yeah, feels like yesterday. Oh, good, good planning, good planning. Uh, yeah, Evil Dead Rise, the new film, is, is is not 90 minutes less, it's 93 minutes, but the series does start. The original trilogy from Sam Raimi are all under 90 minutes. Mm. Mm. Writer slash director Sam Raimi's relentless gore-spattered debut is a landmark in horror cinema, a no-holds-barred onslaught of gruesome terror and nightmarish effects, which has earned its rightful status as a legendary cult classic. Five college students travel to a remote cabin in the woods and unwittingly unleash a monstrous evil force hell-bent on their total destruction. Does this get a pass from you, Victoria? Because cult classic to V is like a red rag to a bowl. It can bowl. be, yeah. It, it, you, you, she feels that things that are shit. They get remarketed <laughs> as cult classic. Is that not fair? I think uh, We've sometimes, watched some sometimes. utter dross yeah. and everyone's like, well, it's a cult classic, but it's not though. It was just bad and didn't make any money. Mm. Cult classic is, I think, is a marketing favourite because it works for like, this. I think this film legit is a classic because it spawned the franchise. Yeah. We're still talking about it now. That's earned its stripes in uh, fairness. But also yeah. a low budget film, which is sort of maybe having a, you know, going straight to iTunes or whatever. That could also be marketed <laughs> as a cult classic uh, to appeal to people who like Evil Dead, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, we should say Evil Dead, the first one is only 85 minutes long. And, uh, and I, I love that tight run time. Do you want to know a great tight run time? I did a little bit of research and preparation. The Monster Squad, 79 minutes. 79 minutes. Another Beautiful. 80s classic. Mm. Uh, maybe we haven't done that on the podcast yet. That's a good tip for future guests. Yep. <laughs> well, if today goes well, I'm I'm also available Ooh. as a solo artist. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> <in> later on. <laughs> actually what he wants. <laughs> Robbie Williams in the corner, plotting and scheming. How did that turn out? Uh, it sort of comes up on, on the back of the, the box a little bit, but Evil Dead, The Evil Dead, uh, D is very important. The Evil Dead, released in, well, made in 1981, 
Sam Raimi's feature film debut starring Bruce Campbell launched both of their careers, launched a franchise which went on to become a TV show and a video game series and, and all sorts. And as Chris mentions, there is a brand new one coming out imminently. It also launched the careers of a lot of directors that we like, like Peter Jackson and Edgar Wright and mm. so many people. You can see, you can tie it back to here, can't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. So many. Eli Roth, a lot of those directors who are like very outspoken film fans, you know, cite The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 as, as, as the thing that started it all. And literally, I guess, with Joel and Ethan Cohen, who worked on the sequel. But the setup is, is really sort of trad horror. It's five college students go to a cabin in the woods. <laughs> and we have that scene, the very first scene of the film is them in the car together. Mm-hmm. What I love is, I guess, like that's the trad setup we've seen a million times before, but we haven't seen like the mad gore-soaked puppets and, and everything that comes later on. Yeah, yeah, and this is right at the start, isn't it, of that period as well. So obviously we saw a lot more of it in the 80s, but a lot of them were so driven by sex, whereas it's really noticeable to me just watching them all back-to-back this week is that sex isn't really a part of much of this. There's obviously a scene we'll talk about later in this film. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not about that. It's just about a group of friends hanging out. They mm. do think they're going to get laid, though, no? It doesn't yeah. come across. It's I not as overt he, it as... It does a bit. Really? Well, yeah. So Ash and the other guy, they've gone there with their girlfriends, girlfriends but then yeah. Ash has also brought his sister. <laughs> yeah, which in fairness is a bit of a dampener, <laughs> but, I guess. But you're right, it does like play like it's going to be a much more traditional horror. The, like, the bit where I'd forgotten, it's been so long since I watched this until this week, the bit where he honks at the fisherman or shouts at the fisherman and you're like, mm. yeah. this is playing into that like that Alienate last, the, locals. the last yeah. gas attendant who they're yeah. rude to. Yeah. Yeah. It's deliverance, yeah. Mm. Sam Raimi is a he's a film fan. He's only twenty or twenty one yeah. when he makes this. It's, it's mad, yeah. Watching all the behind the scenes stuff, I found as interesting as the movie because yeah, it's watching children make a film, <laughs> children, <laughs> children writing, directing, <laughs> producing, and acting in a film. And as people who've said have guested on your show before and talked about uh, the other Evil Dead's, um, it's like watching a film school. The the amount of techniques they combine on such a tiny budget at that age is just, it's incredible. It's an inspiration to so many people who've come up and and make horror films now is what these guys achieved on that budget on their own in the woods. I think it's because you can you can sort of see how it's done, not yeah. in a bad way, but like it's practical effects, and you can you can if you watch it a couple of times, you can kind of see the joints, and it would inspire you. I think like, it's because oh, he, like because he had to like hustle to get the money as well. Like if you were the same age as him, and you felt like you could do it, but you didn't have a clue. You hadn't been to film school. You didn't have any money, and then you read this story of someone that put pieces together, the money borrows, does whatever he has to do to get it together, and did shoot it with his mates, and it all went really wrong. It wasn't like it was a really like blessed production. Like it was quite troubling and challenging for the actors but just that central relationship that he's got with Bruce Campbell as well that you can rely on your buddy to like get this over the line if you were of a mind to do it that would just push you as well you just think well I'll give it a go and then see how it turns out so you got you find your Bruce Campbell exactly <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. not just your leading man but also you know doing a lot of extra jobs they all sort of are painting the sets and it's a tiny 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 crew and all of the actors are they're like all local actors they all do local theatre together so you can tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> an acting troupe with him <laughs> you got to have a, a a brother as well who's willing to uh, sweat his literal guts out yeah. in a prosthetic suit in a hole in the ground for <laughs> like weeks Ted Raimi the MVP mm. I think of uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably yeah. every Sam Raimi production <laughs> uh, but what are your relationships with uh, the franchise? Have you are you fans of the series, or, or you know, are you begrudgingly watching this for homework for this podcast? <laughs> uh, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Really? Yeah, wow. I'm just going to get that done. Just offload that shame. <laughs> um, I've never seen any of them, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you for why, Sam. Because 
as we all know, this film had so Evil Dead. What Evil Dead Two? I was aware of. I had. I haven't seen it, but I know a lot of like the very famous shot. You know, the hand and the, and you know just the insanity of it. Evil Dead One, though, when I was growing up, it was a video nasty, and it, I was scared to watch it. So I didn't seek it out. It didn't sort of fall across my path. And then by the time I was like all grown up, I was like, I just don't really feel like it. And so I'm quite glad I didn't see it then because I watched it last week and it scared the life out of me because the the quality of the footage, because it's so old and because of the way it was shot, it looks like found footage and found footage to me just is scary. I know it isn't, but do you know what I mean? Because it's so shonky now to your mm. eyes, it feels like found footage in a way that Evil Dead 2 doesn't because obviously the quality, the grading and everything is just like, it looks very modern. So yeah, that's my relationship to Evil Dead 1, conscious of it. It's terrifying. It's not funny. The other ones are funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it was interesting watching them back to back, which we can talk about Evil Dead 2 uh, on Clash next week. But, uh, but yeah, this first movie... For exactly the reason you didn't watch it, we sort it out. Yeah, of it's course. like it's yeah. a video nasty. How yeah. do we get our dirty I just little I hands on it? I didn't know the right people. That's the thing. Who do yeah. you ask? Matthew Wilson was who we asked. Yeah, <laughs> you, always, you need a big he brother. Had a really, really dark VHS collection. Where did he get it from? Uh, I don't know, but you were really rolling the dice. It was either going to be a brilliant <laughs> band movie or porn. Uh, so. Yeah, and to give it context, so that's the Video Recordings Act in the in the early eighties that um. It just it was saying that these horror films are obscene, and they started putting people in prison who were renting them out on video. Bloody hell! Um, and and to the point that um, Sam Raimi had to fly over and appear in in Leeds Magistrates Court. <laughs> yeah. for, 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 <laughs> that is so weird, though, isn't it? If you think about it, yep. it's mad. Sam Raimi brought up on obscenity charges. It's just disgusting, really. And people, you would go to prison for longer for renting out The Evil Dead to someone, a grown up, than you would for selling Class A drugs. Yeah. It was it was just insane what happened, times. and of course, and of course, yes, Alex says it made people like him much more excited. Whereas people <laughs> like me and Vicky scared to death. I-, I first heard about this on the incredibly strange film show, Jonathan Ross' amazing series that he did that introduced me to a lot of now my favourite filmmakers, and uh, yeah, I saw them. It's actually just after the release of Evil Dead Two in '88 when they make this, and the way they described it, I thought, well, I'm never watching that. Mm. Ever. And then when I'm mid-teens, I've decided to watch every horror film and I watched it. And for me, I guess I kind of wrote it off a little bit. It was quite scary, but not as scary as I'd built up in my head. Mm. And I thought, this Bruce Campbell guy is, is not a very good actor. I don't get it. And so I sort of forgot about them. I left them behind. And I feel very differently now about Bruce Campbell's acting. But at the time, I just thought, no, that guy's legitimately bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, the, the, I, I think I approached it uh, in a similar way to you guys. It's a legendary film, mm. you know. It's this legendary series, and I think when I was <clears throat> getting into films, I was at university, and they just released a version of, of Evil Dead with like the leather book, mm-hmm. like it looked like the Book of the Dead, mm. and that was in all of the HMVs when DVD shops were a thing, <laughs> uh, and it was sort of something that every film student had on their shelf. So that's sort of how I. I approached it with this, uh, you know, it has this legendary status, but I was too young to watch it before. Now I'll finally watch it as a, as a film student. I think I watched them out of order. I think mm. Evil Dead 2 was the one. And then when I've watched this, you're like, oh, what? That's a kind of a weird yeah. film. It's exactly <laughs> the same for me. I watched Evil Dead 2 first. I think yeah. I did as well. Yeah. So and I'm yeah. the only person that didn't. I've watched them in mm. order and that is really discombobulating. It's a really strange experience. It is. And it it's a weird thing because I've always been Evil Dead 2 is the one. It's better than yeah, Evil yeah. Dead. But I don't know. Having watched Evil Dead 2 straight after Evil Dead, and like you, Evil Dead is scary. And yeah. 
Ah, I don't know. We'll have to get into it at some point. But genuinely, the fact that Evil Dead 2 plays it for laughs, mm. I always thought was a great decision and I'm not anymore. Oh, really? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite like this one. It does have a, a few humorous moments, um, but it, it's, they, they really go for the for the gore and for the drama. And it is quite impressive for a bunch of very young, you know, 20 year olds to do this on a tiny shoestring budget for a really long shoot. I didn't really, it was a 12 week shoot. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be six. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they went, they went, they went six weeks um, over and then they had to do two sets of reshoots over the course of a year later. They went way over the budget. I mean, the whole thing was really a disaster in the making. It was it, ha- it it became successful, but it was a miserable experience all round. And even you know we're celebrating this the length of this film. The script was sixty seven pages for this. Uh, <laughs> their first <laughs> their first cut was one hundred and seventeen minutes. Wow. <laughs> what, did, what did Bruce Campbell say? He said uh, that was quite an achievement considering the script was sixty five pages long. <laughs> to find one hundred and seventeen minutes of footage in a sixty five page script. Yeah, it was much more on his. They call it the character's lamentation of not being able to save the victims from their deaths. But um, they thought that was too grim and depressing. And they wanted to sort of make it a bit more fun. I can't believe you didn't like Bruce Campbell's acting in this. No, I did not. You've got to feel sorry for him, though, because Sam Raimi famously likes to torture his actors, or did at this point. And he said to make them feel miserable and threatened and unhappy, that adds to the atmosphere of the film. And Bruce Campbell had actually injured himself on the set, falling down a hill. And as the story goes, Raimi quite enjoyed poking the wound with a stick sure. to okay. see the agony on Campbell's face. He said it helped. <laughs> and that's become a through line of Sam Raimi films, especially with Bruce Campbell. Mm. I want to put him through something pretty grueling. Well, yeah, I think it was It's maybe Greg Nicotero, Hadberg, one of the K&B guys who do the effects said, I don't know what happened when they were at school together. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe Bruce nicked one of Sam's girlfriends, but he's been getting his own back for 40 years. No, there's something else because it's guilt you wouldn't let someone do that to you if someone keeps poking your leg with a stick get off, me. Point, get off me but I can't say that because I feel bad about something there's the story Ooh. what did he do it's he the lets other way. him do it yeah 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 it's, at yeah. some point yeah it's almost self-flagellation he's yeah. like I deserve to at home this yeah. for something wow I don't know what wow mm. when Bruce Campbell comes on your show Sam ask him <laughs> ask him what well, the, the big question. did you do <laughs> what did you do to what him did you do yeah what was it uh, oh, what's the producer Robert Tappert Said uh, he said he enjoyed it when an actor bleeds. <laughs> you can't say stuff like that you, these days. Absolutely not. Reading no. it, you're like, what non-union the hell? production was it? <laughs> right, it's a twenty-year-old who's just making his first feature film. Yeah, yeah. Mate, this is how you get performances with people. <laughs> so, well, well, we love the movie. Uh, we've also got this person here who's a media trainer. You're going to be spending <laughs> a lot of time with them, Robert. <laughs> Sam Raimi's now very like famously professional. He always wears a suit on set, and, and he, he yeah. always sort of like he likes to like respect all the departments. If the set's getting too rowdy apparently he'll tell everyone to be quiet you know you're not being considerate to the art of cinema yeah. but on this he'll be poking people with yeah, sticks but the, the, some people. of the actors have said that he's changed quite a lot because he was so funny and wild back then but now and if you do meet him interview him um, he's very straight laced now and he's very polite and I think I think when he's got into the studio system he's realised he's had to sort of change who he is a little bit just to sort of survive on these big sets but I kind of want to meet that nutter uh, <laughs> I met him for Spider-Man 2 and I was working at MTV at the time and it was one of these sort of gimmicks that you have to do on the red carpet. So we had a, a board with all the Spider-Man villains on and Sam Raimi came along and I was like, how many villains can you name from these villains? And he was game. He was great. Mm. I mean, he was he got all of them, I think. And then Tobey Maguire comes along and we're like, how many villains can you name? He's like, none of them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, Sam Raimi got all of them. And he basically spat the words, 
That is because Sam Raimi's a Spider-Man fan. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Where are you right now? (laughs) Who are you playing? Who pays your wages? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's a that Spider Man hate Spider Man. Love of Toby Maguire. Four of hearts, eight of spades, two of spades, jack of diamonds, jack of clubs. Why have you disturbed our sleep? Awakened us from our ancient slumber. You will die! Like the others before you, one by one we will take you. One of the lasting sort of memories of seeing this film—it's always like the gore or, or you know, certain sort of set pieces. But what, what do you think of the story structure? Does does the screenplay work? Do do sixty-seven pages uh, of of story work uh, before the trappings of the the you know, bells and whistles of all the VFX? I think that is a really good question because it is quite light on. Uh, so if you were going to be this person, which I don't feel like this, you could be like it's a really good show reel for effects and whatever, and good for him. Like it sets him up and sets a lot of people up. But if you were going to do your sort of classic, like, what's the low point, what's whatever, it's to do with the horror around them. And they, and, and this is the through line for two as well. So we've got this central relationship, like, Ash is sad because he killed his girlfriend kind of thing. And you think, well, really? <laughs> like, this horrible necklace? Like, I don't know. Like, the point being, it's not nice. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. Great. It's too long. <laughs> oh, it is. That is. That's all it is. What is this? What did you steal it? Like, but, if you but, buy me a necklace, it's it memorable to... though, so you don't forget but, 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 it later. Yeah, in the that's film. the point. Though, like, <laughs> what is you know that? What I mean, but what is it? Is it a magnifying glass? It yeah, looks like I a it tiny was. magnifying glass. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's out of a cracker. I thought, but then, yeah. yeah, it does look like that. So the point of when the necklace comes back, you don't go, oh, the necklace that he gave his long lost love, who he's had to kill. You're like, oh, brilliant! The necklace has come back as a hook. Like that's <laughs> that's good. But when you first see it, you think, oh, he's going to use that to magnify sunlight mm. to burn the pages of the Book of the Dead. Yep. And then if, if you're me, you spend the whole time yeah. waiting for that to You're one step ahead. And then it's also a frustration. I think one thing it doesn't do very well, because obviously like, it doesn't give a lot of time to developing who these characters are and their individual things. Is it Cheryl? Cheryl's an artist. That's yeah. it. That's great. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. But it doesn't use their names enough. It's like this really basic thing that I hate in movies where they don't call each other by their name. Yeah. It's, I don't know whether it's when you're writing notes you on a movie, no, you're more aware of it. but when you're writing the script, you don't do it because you're writing their names all the mm. time. Yeah. And you feel really silly when you go, hello, Cheryl, how are you? Just like, oh, I'm a waste of time. So you just don't do it. And if they didn't have a script editor, I don't know if they did, or whatever, it's like a low-rent production. No one's gone. No one knows who these people <laughs> yeah, are right. unless you say their names out loud. There's also, there's an aspect of them making this up as they go along, especially with these reshoots a year later. So there's sort of a lack of rules, which I don't particularly like. I don't really know how, how which later films they get, they get better at. Mm. I don't know what the, what the evil is, which is okay, but then I don't know how to defeat it. So I don't really know what's going in in the final third. And I think there's a, that's less satisfying as a viewer. Whereas, whereas I think they do in Evil Dead Two and and the remake. I think they do sort of get that get that right. Yeah, the rules. I, I totally agree. Like the the tape is spooky. I get it. Mm. Um, you know, you sort of get the concept. The book is not good. <laughs> it's not called the Good Dead. <laughs> but uh, but you don't really know how to defeat it. And they definitely do a much better job later on. Yeah. And especially later later on in yeah. the reboot. And it seems rules. unfair. And they didn't nail it in two. And they do do they do in the twenty thirteen one that the incantation is a record. It's like not their fault. Like. Mm. Plot and character would be, I'm going to read it out loud because I want to, because I want to get revenge on someone or because I'm in a bad mood or whatever. They just hear.
hear it and it's like, turn the tape off and then everything's fine. But they should have a motivation to go, I'll do it and I will summon this thing myself. But I also appreciate that Sam Raimi didn't care. Like, they're just about, let's get to the next scale. We don't really care about the rules. This is just about making people as frightened as we can. No one's going to see this film anyway. So on that point... Sorry, wait. You you think... I don't think they saw that out in 2013. Eric does it because he, he... Eric's an idiot. Yeah, Eric's an idiot. And he seems a little bit entranced to do it. But I thought, Eric is an idiot and does it and then spends the movie going, why is everything yeah, going wrong? It's, it's like, like because you I... read an incantation that was written above it. The devil? Never, ever read this. <laughs> if you're talking about they just wanted to scare people, is this a... Uh, an appropriate time to bring up something I wanted to ask the experts in the room. I've only seen this film once. Uh, so we're going to talk about tree rape just for two seconds. <laughs> so Cheryl is a character we've agreed is not very well developed. Mm-hmm. She runs off into the woods. Why? What, well, yeah, why? Um, so that is tree rape, no? That is, yeah. That's what that is. Okay. It's the so, famous tree rape scene. That Sam Raimi since said he went too far and he yeah. wouldn't do it again now. Because they, they don't do it in two. So I was like, oh, that's good. Because then you've learned that that's, that's a bad move. Like, that's not a good thing to do. I just wondered what the community thought. Yeah, although because Bobby Mike... Joe's death in two, I don't, like being slammed into a tree by an evil force is like a nasty way to go as well. <laughs> but so but, are splinters. Yeah. You know, but to sure. answer your question, in the mid 80s, people weren't happy with it. Right, and okay. people criticised the film and criticised Sam Raimi and he said I was just trying to shock people Yep. but yeah obviously people weren't happy with it and so in that 1988 documentary with Jonathan Ross even then he's saying it was unnecessary gratuitous too brutal my goal is not to offend people it is to entertain thrill scare make them laugh not to offend I think my judgement was wrong at the time that's great so he's held his hands up oh good um, he got it wrong but yeah even in the mid 80s this was just completely unacceptable no that's good because everyone says he's a nice guy and I wouldn't believe that although it is back for 2013 I was annoyed about that we have learned we have moved on interesting if any of us didn't put it in and an unnamed producer but bearing in mind the producers are Sam Raimi (laughs) Sam Raimi Bruce (laughs) Campbell and Robert Tapper, one of them, unnamed, said to him, where's my tree rape? Okay. And he had to put it in. Oh, you just undo all the good work you've done. <laughs> yeah, that, that stuff's wild. It's a shame, isn't it? Because it's a scene that sort of overpowers the memory of watching this film. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Like, yeah. It's kind of a good time thrower out, but then, yeah. oh no, it's, It just took rape. me a while to recover and it's easy to reco- easier now because you're like, oh, it's the 18th, whatever. But you, like, you just want to think good things about Sam Raimi and you think, mm. well, but you've I, gone for broke there and yeah, what you've can, done is denigrate a woman for people's entertainment. But I can but, see why it happened. They're 18, you know, they're teenagers who thought, what is the most shocking thing we can do? Can ha, you ha, writing it though that's what I mean you, we say these things we bandy these things around really easily but imagine you said to me I've written this scene I don't know I'm watching so the tree goes upper and I go okay and then you're saying to her can you lie there while the tree goes like these things have steps and at no point did someone go oh actually do you know what let's not do this so this is the first time I've watched it since I was a kid yeah. and obviously I was a young, a lot younger than Sam Raimi when he shot this scene but as a kid when I watched it I didn't think it was that bad because I didn't really fully understand yeah. what was happening it was a tree attacks a woman and then you start reading about this tree Tree rape scene. Yeah. And you're like, what's that? I wouldn't. And have watching got it. it this time, it's a lot worse. And, once yeah. you fully understand, I, I just would have thought because in my naivety, oh, it's gone wrapped around her yeah. leg, and that's yeah. a bit squeezy, and that's not very good. I've but... no idea what's up there anyway. <laughs> and the actress said they made it worse in post as well. They made it worse in post, like the final thump of the stick going up her, Jesus. and the noise and stuff was nothing that was shot on set. Yeah, they just wanted. They're trying to make it even more shocking in post production. Yeah. So. I think yeah. they also, I mean, the, the VFX and all the special effects on this, the puppets, the makeup, it's done really, really well. Like you can imagine the makeup department being given this task 
Like it's going to be the best tree you've ever seen. <laughs> you're going to really believe what the tree do is doing it? this, you know, and, and all this sort of stuff. You're so never going to walk past a tree in the same way because <laughs> the effects do really, really hold up, and, and yeah, I think they, they sort of add to the gratuitous of some of the. That's scenes. so true, isn't it? Because if you if there was another way to get out of it, you go, well, that looks rubbish, and so it wouldn't have the same impact. So it is a mark of the quality of the film that it still stands up as like a tree rape scene. Mm. What do you think of the of the VFX? Are they, you know, I mean, Vicky, you watched this for the first time for this. Were, were they gory to you or were they comic? They are not comic, but they could be because they're old and that you just have that modern eyes where you're like, oh, we could, you know, we could do that differently now. They are, but they're not comic because the work has gone into creating the layers where you've got this crazy gore, all this like, what did they, is it milk at some point where people, because like, yeah. I feel weird about milk and so that <laughs> just made me feel upset. But... They, Sam Raimi's created enough of a sense of dread that you don't get a minute to go, ha ha, look at that milk. <laughs> so that's masterful, isn't it? Like the the effects look like they didn't cost all the money in the world, but they look, they're brilliant. They are amazing. You know, you could imagine that this thing, if you saw this for the first time back then, you wouldn't have known what was going on. The POV shot is oh, just it's so good. unbelievable. That, it's so good. That scared the life out of me it's as amazing. a kid especially at the end where because initially it's Sam Raimi running with uh, yeah, the, yeah. the camera on a plank of wood through the wood but even when they're knocking the trees down it's as he's brilliant. running through fantastic but that last scene where they've attached it to a bike yeah. and it goes through the house it's awesome it's just I used to have nightmares about that it was like I imagined a creature that lived in the basement of my yeah. house in Leeds was coming up the stairs and I could see through its vision yeah. I was going to wait for it to appear at the door it's petrified that's it's my favourite it's, it's the mm. best bit like because this thing is relentless and like it's a mark of how good that is that when you get to two and they've got a bit more money and they do it again it's it's still just as good mm. as the final shot of number one where they had absolutely zero money and he's on a bike or whatever mm. yeah you can see why they brought it back I think the POV because it's something that hasn't it, it doesn't age badly does it you know POV shot it's really powerful puts you in someone's frame of mind uh, and it's really effective and like it isn't super you know, it's not super common especially in the early 80s to see that camera technique and like you were saying with the um, you know grainy sort of footage it adds to the authenticity yeah. if you see a handheld POV camera it feels real and he's just so inventive with the space as well like the final bit I can't remember where we are in the story, but he's through the raft, like ashes, like cameras in the rafters. And every time he moves between a rafter, you button that with this sort of like woof sound effect. <laughs> so you're just moving across. That's so brilliant. I agree with Alex as well, the, the, how powerful the POV shot is. But for me, it's the shot of the trap door, like POV through the trap door, you know, like that's, mm. it makes the set feel real. And like, yeah. I guess they did shoot mm. it in a real cabin. It isn't something that's got like exploded views and it's just a corner. This looks like a real cabin and they're using every bit of the set. Yeah, <laughs> he, he gives the evil a personality and he gives the camera a personality. And I think that's what so many filmmakers have copied since. Oh, you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs> Have you got a, a favourite sort of set piece uh, in this film? Something that stuck out uh, to you? Oh, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, I'll tell you what I find the most annoying, but intentionally so, like nails down a chalkboard is when Linda is possessed and becomes that baby and that laugh. Ha ha, I was, so good. I just <laughs> could not wait for her to die. I mean, Ash loves her. And he hits her pretty quick. Oh my God, <laughs> you Shut up, Linda. Oh, all right. Yeah. What one little nursery rhyme, and that's it. Yeah, I yeah, uh, I get 
I did get a little bit tired of this thing, which happens in all the movies. It's still happening in 2013. It's the only thing where I find myself sort of shouting at the screen, which is where more than once the evil flips back to the human form and goes, oh, don't kill me, Ash, why would you hurt me? And you're like, but you know, <laughs> Ash, you know. And he's like, oh, I can't do it. And you're like, come on, man. It's just the evil pretending. Um, I've got a real problem with Achilles trauma. Wow. <laughs> and so the being stabbed in the ankle with a pencil um, is both my best and worst moment in this film. Uh, it's just it's just unbearable to see it. That's fair. Like hit home, hits home. <laughs> literally, I've got a bad Achilles. It literally hits home. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying about the effects, though, because obviously the effects in two are played for laughs, and in this they're sort of not dissimilar, but just the tone uh, of this whole movie makes them really quite upsetting. I mean, the decomposition of. Is it Scotty at the end? His de- his corpse decomposing. Oh, and then there's the bugs and so- oh yeah, that yellow yeah, stuff. Like what is that? Yeah, like yeah. Old Ray Harryhausen style yeah. technique. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. That really stuck with me. That's like because they don't do a lot of stop motion in this film uh, until the very end. You know, oh hello, that's a, yeah. new, a new trick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe it took so long they could only do that one sequence, and the rest <laughs> has to be has to be puppets. Uh, but yeah, I don't think the effects move on too much into so many other things. Do the camera like they've used loads better cameras using different film stock. It looks more high def. Mm. Uh, but yeah, just like they've got the look and feel of Evil Dead, the Evil Dead down in this. Uh, you know, those like drippy sort of faces and playing with the eyes and things. Mm. Uh, it's quite a strong considering it went on to become a franchise they established look and feel I think in the first film really well and the sound effects as well (laughs) the noises that I mean sometimes it does sound like Mr Blobby the evil I never thought of that but when it doesn't it's frightening yeah it's uh, the the biggest problem probably the biggest change between this and two is is Bruce Campbell's performance because he goes from an actor to let's dial this shit up to 11 (laughs) he is next level by the time we get to two yeah that works though yeah oh absolutely It works for two. Yeah. I mean, here I do think he's more vulnerable. And I, <laughs> I care more about his outcome. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he's the final girl in this film. Mm. Like, yeah. And you don't know at the beginning, you know, like who's going to survive and all that sort of stuff. And, and he's kind of like non, you know, just unassuming he's got a terrible haircut. <laughs> so it's sort of like bowl cut. And I always associate him, you know, he's got this sort of like Elvis yep. quality to him. Yeah. Not in this film. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he's kind of jacked in two, and he's not in this like t- totally sort of different guy. But he is playing it in this you know, more of a distressing, real life you know sort of approach to this trauma, and that changes in the, yeah. in the later ones. <laughs> you mentioned, I think it was you, Chris. You mentioned the sound design mm. in this, and there's one shot that I'd forgotten at the start, and it's the simplest thing. And this is why Sam Raimi is a genius filmmaker because the car driving up to the cabin after it's co- crossed the bridge, just no engine sound at all. And you're just watching the back of this car and the silence and the oh. ominous nature of that scene without any mm. engines. And that's all they've taken out. I think 90% of filmmakers would go, we need to hear the car because we're watching the car drive. Yeah, yeah. And it's just absent. And it makes the film, that shot, so eerie. It's a, sometimes it's the simpler techniques, isn't it? That mm. really adds to it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, that's, that's Sam Raimi's calling card, you know, establishing that he as a filmmaker who knows exactly what he's doing by using stuff like that. Mm. Watch me having said that, and then Raimi's like, there'll be an interview where he's like, we just forgot to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> we just forgot. That's my uh, biggest regret about the film. <laughs> the and the <laughs> uh, you said, Chris, you weren't a big fan of uh, of, of Bruce Campbell's uh, acting, but is that changed now? You know, when you watch this, do you do you sort of see what he's doing? And yeah, it's good, and and I think maybe even more so when I watched Evil Dead Two when I was a kid, I was like, this guy is just going way over the top. I. I, I, I 
you know, it's Looney Tunes meets Three Stooges by that point. And it wasn't for me. But now I sort of enjoy it. I'm embracing it. It's like, oh, he's he's a good actor and he's doing this on purpose. And and I guess the character of Ash changes, his performance changes as as as, as we work our way through the, the, the trilogy. And yeah, I, I enjoy it now. But I, I still think this is his least good uh, mm-hmm. performance of, of the three films. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's someone who sort of has learned his skill on the job. <laughs> and this is the first job. I think the other actors are... They're just not very memorable, I don't think. Um, Linda's good. What's she called? Betsy? Betty Baker? I th- I mean, I know you'd found the laugh annoying, but she, she's mm. pretty good, I think. I don't know if that was even her, though. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I think she's good. I liked her. I thought she was the scariest of the demons, like possessed people. I think they're all committed. They show mm. the same kind of commitment as Bruce. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. None of them are particularly uh, memorable. I think they're helped by Raimi's direction as well. Because you mm. watch a film with this budget and... Uh, if it wasn't someone who knew what they were doing in charge, you're exposed as an actor. Like every, yeah. you you end up looking very amateur if the filmmaker around you just can't make you look good. I think and if I you don't think... have a director who knows what they're doing in this situation, there's the police are involved. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you keep uh, jabbing a man's wound <laughs> yeah. with a stick. You appear to have kidnapped five people, and put them in the woods. <laughs> Sam Raimi's technique just jabs jabs the actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can, yeah, I think they they're sort of fine for this, but they they didn't really sort of stick with me. Am I right in thinking he didn't? None of the these actors came back for like later Sam Raimi productions, different cast in Evil Dead Two. No, yeah. and an Army of Darkness. Um, Linda is played by Bridget Fonda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in one in one scene. <laughs> it's a good flex, isn't it? Though. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a better act. The, I agree. The film isn't very comic, but it does have one at least one funny line when Ash says, "We Ash says we can't bury Shelley. She's a friend of ours." <laughs> it's like a little glimmer of hope, I think, of what is to come in the yeah. franchise. Because in my head, when I was rewatching for the pod, that was always an Evil Dead Two line. I forgot it was from this film. There's one line in it. I think it's the first time he talks to himself, which obviously becomes so commonplace in the following movies. But in this, it's where he's uh, it's towards the end. He's like, shells. Where did I put the shells? Which is like, it's an inconsequential line, but it's the first time it's Ash talking to himself. And you're like, there he is. <laughs> There's the Ash I'm going to get to know. See him forming the character on the job. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then he says, you bastards, why are you torturing me like this to the demons? But I think he's talking to Sam Raimi <laughs> as well. There was a hot mic in the room, which is what he was saying. <laughs> uh, rewatching this film, are you, you know, is it sort of like a, a no-brainer that this has gone on to become a successful franchise or... You know, like, is, is, is it kind of... Because, like, we're still... T- this film is, like, probably the most re-released film on DVD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got those, this whole franchise. As we said, there's a new film coming out, you know, very close to recording this. Always a new set of extras. I've got the Anchor Bay box set that's got oh. a completely fresh set of extras. Not as good as the other extras, if I'm honest. That was a waste of a day. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you'd hate it if you didn't know. No, you've got to yeah, complete. Of course. Um, but... you, you, you have to complete. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, I, I, it's a franchise I really like, but it's a very annoying franchise because of how confusing it is. How they keep remaking the same Ash story <laughs> in different versions um, as they go along. So I find that really head-scratching, is trying to get my head around um, what the timeline is, which version of Ash I'm watching. Is this the same Ash? Are there different Ashes? Is this a multiverse? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think once something because it was banned, wasn't it? Like while the court cases were, or court so it was cases very was slow, yeah, to come out, and then it was cut when it was first released in the yeah. UK. And we and... live in a world now where that is more or less impossible, and so th- that gives it a sheen that is it, that is you can't replicate that now. There's nothing you could do to create that sort of mystique. 
So yes, you will keep re-releasing it because if you can bring up another generation of like this, will, this will, but not to make us feel terribly old, but this will be like early film basically now to like a teenager. And if you explain to them that pre-internet, you you know you couldn't get it, like you had to find some dodgy mate to get it for you. Like they might think that's stupid or they might think that's brilliant, but I think it gives certainly the marketeers enough reason to keep re-releasing it, which means that other people are going to be exposed to it. So oh, yeah, that thrill, that thrill of someone going, I've got a VHS copy of the Evil yeah. Dead, mm. that that will never be replicated again. It was it was amazing, like putting that into, ka-junk, ka-junk, into a VHS be this, but Does your teenage and I'm asking sincerely, yep. does your teenage brain also because that was the same with pornography so there's a little part of your brain that goes that's a nice memory because you you were, had such anticipation simply in the sense that you're doing something you are not yeah, yeah, meant no, to be that doing is what I yeah, mean, yeah and it's exciting absolutely no, no. absolutely right, okay. 100% porn is much more fun now <laughs> <laughs> hates opening the case um, I guess it adds to the that's the legend isn't it it's the cult movie yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I a legitimate cult truly, movie truly yeah. in the best sense of the word yeah, yeah. I um, don't even mind hitting auto tracking every five seconds oh yeah uh, <laughs> oh remember yeah, re- that remember auto tracking uh, the biggest downer was when someone hadn't rerounded a tape before, oh, you, before you could watch The Evil Dead. You had to wait minutes. <laughs> Kids, you have no idea what it was like. So there we have it. The Evil Dead is in the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest, part of our fictional lineup. We've got uh, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness in here, the other under 90 minute entries into the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, but what we like to do on our podcast at the end is sort of, you know, we are a film festival. We will one day put these films on in a, you know the most bananas film festival you've ever seen with a whole load of uh, movies. But uh, but when we go to the, the Clash of the Titles tent, how <laughs> would you like to present The Evil Dead? Have you got sort of a a favourite cinema or like an ideal setting uh, for something like the I Evil Dead? I will just say blender cocktails. So I noticed <laughs> that these kids who've got like not like two dollars to rub together, one of them is like blender cocktail and, it like, and that gets swapped out in Evil Dead 2 for champagne, which yeah. I think is a mistake. So the, someone's gone, who wants a margarita a straw, or a strawberry daiquiri, whatever it is that they're whizzing yeah. up there and they've all gone, yes, please. So whatever we do, we must have frozen blended cocktails. I, I'll do you one better. What we need to do, set up a sprinkler system and yeah. as the milk sprays out of the wound, <laughs> you're spraying white Russian over a crowd, tilt your heads upwards, milky, milky white Russian as you milky, milky you juice. You know me, I don't drink white Russians. For I this, can't. For the, this isn't just you. This is, we, we, we have a tent. Is it not my tent? Oh, uh, right. I don't. I don't want to do it in a tent. That's fair enough. We've got to find a cabin in the woods and show it at a cabin in the woods and have people outside scaring us. <laughs> Handheld cameras being thrown at the cabin. I think if you've ever, if you've ever seen Bruce Campbell talk to a crowd, which I have, um, he has to be there to present the film um, because he's such a brilliant raconteur. And then I think he should bring on stage. Everyone in the UK who went to prison for renting this film out, <laughs> oh my God. so we can thank them for their sacrifice <laughs> and buy them a blender cocktail because that's how that's you they know can, yeah they can have a free drink they can go under the main yeah. sprinkler hose yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. Well, I got yeah. a, I got a criminal record in the eighties for renting this movie but now I've got a free drink <laughs> yeah. it couldn't work for ten years yeah. but it's all been working can't it. into America my family live there but but they, can't get benefit but it doesn't matter I don't even drink white Russian but thank, thank you I guess. <laughs> Uh, have any of you seen this film? Uh, I guess more for Chris and Alex. Have you seen this film at the cinema? I, I've never had this, the sort of pleasure of watching this with an audience. Unfortunately, not. No, and that's something I'm going to get into when we do the Clash of Evil Dead Two and uh, Evil Dead. These fil- these films feel so much like 
They're meant for a crowd. You're meant to watch them with an audience. I've only ever watched them on my own at home. And it, I can't believe it's the same experience because watching the 2013 with an audience was like a religious experience. <laughs> and so, and I feel like Evil Dead 2 and to an extent this would be incredible at midnight with a few beers in me with a rowdy crowd around. Okay, so we'll get a rowdy crowd to a cabin in the woods, sprinkler cocktail system set up. <laughs> Love it. Bruce Crumble's there. Convict. Um, and all of yeah. the people with criminal records now because Convicts. of his movie. <laughs> he giveth and he taketh away. Yeah. It's like, let's invite them. They Justice went to prison for served. us. The convicts. There are people who have experienced the prison system, Chris. And you should know that. Yeah, maybe they'll get day release. So they're not still in jail. <laughs> Oh, there you go. That's a, that's a wild screening. And it'll fit in nicely with Joe Cornish's screening of Evil Dead 2 and Nick Helm's screening of Army of Darkness. Perfect. Uh, what a lineup. What a day that will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for talking to us today on 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. It's been fun having this uh, cinematic crossover event. I guess there's a bit of a follow-on to this podcast now because we're going to go We're going to go into Clash of the Titles. And um, where can people find that, Chris? At Clash Pod on Twitter or TikTok or YouTube. Anywhere, basically. Yep. Uh, type in at Clash Pod. Um, and yeah, on Monday, we will be doing Evil Dead 2. And on Thursday, we'll be doing the 2013 Evil Dead. What a clash. What a lineup. Um, well, thank you so much. Highly recommend uh, checking out uh, not just the, the Evil Dead Clash Pods, but I, I'm, a, I'm a regular listener. Um, always have a good time. I love those films that are you know quite similar, but not quite the same. <laughs> the classic Deep Impact Armageddon. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, uh, that one space. keeps coming back. For some <laughs> Weirdly controversial outcome, right? <laughs> uh, but it's a great listener and really great to talk to you on, on the pod today, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Sam. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or if you've got a mo, share an episode with your friends. Every recommendation helps. You can contact us on our website, 90minfilmfest.com, and on Twitter and Instagram, at 90minfilmfest. The podcast is produced by me, Sam Clements, and Louise Owen. It's edited by Louise Owen, with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick, and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.